Hi everyone and welcome to episode 13 of the Two Sporting Muppets. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Gray, to the microphone. Greg, how are you? Good I'm well. You. I've had a good week. Thanks, Gray. Really good. Glad to hear it. Yep. How could you not? This time of year. Weather's improving, footy finals. It's just a great, great time of year. But bar a bit of hay fever, as we said before. It is a good time of year and the finals are getting very exciting and interesting. I know we're going to dive into those very soon. We are indeed. But diving first, Greg, or not diving, but a few tears. Like, neither of us, I know you more so than me, not the hugest rugby union fan, but the Bledisloe Cup last night, wasn't it? Australia just had it in the bag. It was a really good game. I didn't watch it. I saw pretty much all the second half. They were down when I turned it on. I think it was 31-13 when I turned it on. All Blacks were leading. And the Wallabies were storming home. Scored three fantastic tries. Looking, playing really well. And then in the last minute and a half... Yeah, had all the momentum. And then, look, for those who didn't see it, Australia, as Greg just said, really fought hard to get back into it and got in front with a long-range penalty. It was a really good... Really good kick. But then, and Australia, all backs were attacking our line. Australia got a penalty. So they got basically had the ball back penalty. And we'll bet, was it Foley? We're about to kick it was, for the kick. It was Foley. They were k- kicking for touch. About the kick for touch. And the referee said, the clock's off, but you need to get on with it. Something. Anyway, look, he was just stalling marginally, as anyone in that position would do, waiting till his forwards looked ready. And after about two or three seconds. Actually, he he then proceeded to kick the ball. Well, he was about to kick. He was into his stride to kick the ball. And the referee blew his whistle and said, no, time or time wasting and scrum feed to the All Blacks. <laughs> One metre from the tri- from the All Blacks try line. And everyone can guess what happened after that. Yeah, it was, not a, it was a sad finish for what was an, an awesome game. And it's really disappointing. And as you said, Gray, rugby union is not our favourite sport. We like all sport, but not aficionados in rugby union at all. But it was a really good game to watch, particularly that second half. But now we're talking about the referee and not the game. Which is a real shame. And I think that's the, the shame that with 90 seconds to go, for a referee to have such impact over such a marginal call at best, it, it, it's a disappointing that's making the headlines and the conversation around the sport. To, to me, mate, that's the problem with the game. The referees have too much say on the game and they have too much involvement. You know, the over-pedantic refereeing of scrums and rucks and malls and all that. It just detracts because I find it so annoying. Played well, it can be a great game to watch. I remember in the 80s, used to watch most tests. Used to sit up, you know, with my dad and watch the Grand Slam when I went over to the UK and running rugby. I was about to say, when it's open and running, when as they used to call it, the running game, it's a, it's a good sport to watch. But you're right, it's become a bit finicky with the rule interpretations and slowed the game down a lot. I know, well, I've, I've read, should I say, that the powers that be are looking to intervene to try and get it back to a more running style and, and get rid of some of that pedanticness. But that was just with 90 seconds to go to call something so insignificant. And as you said, any player in that situation would have looked to waste a few seconds in any sport, not just rugby union. It would have been any sport. As part of the game, the referee just didn't read the situation or the context of the game any way, shape or form. Particularly when he said the clock was off. Yes. So I couldn't get my head around that. And also to do it 
in such a position on the field, knowing it was going to impact, probably impact the result. Most likely, with position where it was on the field, absolutely, yeah, real, absolutely, real shame. As you as you alluded to before, you know, really good game for rugby. So I think it's a two test series. So the Bledisloe's gone. It is. They can't win it. They have a game next week. I think it is at Eden Park in New Zealand. So even if Wallabies win, it's one all. But but it if means we, all Blacks retain, which they've held now for twenty years. By the way, if they were to win, Australia Wallabies were to win, as you said, wouldn't be as good as winning the the cup back, but. It, it would be good, and they're not that far away. No, they're certainly the most competitive I've watched in recent times last night. They're, they're on the up, which is great to see. With the World Cup coming up in France next year, I believe, they look like they're going to be in a really good position to perform at that stage again. I wonder, I haven't spoken to any rugby people about it, I wonder if our, I'll be interested to hear whether our performance was really good or the All Blacks have slipped. We know they've slipped in the results, but have yeah, was their standard lower? Did it flatter us? Or, but from my untrained eye, it looked like the Wallabies played really well. The bit I watched the second half, they, I thought, I agree. A trained eye, I agree with you. But it did look like they played really well. Yeah. So, look, com- commiserations to the Wallabies. And any of us who have New Zealand relatives or friends, a bit more of their banter to put up with. But that's the way it goes. That's sport. Just while on that rugby, it was played in Melbourne, which is not a traditional rugby town, at Marvel Stadium. And we're going to go on my little stadium rant again because again. it's played at Marvel Stadium with the roof closed. Yep. What a fantastic idea. The, the, Having the, a stadium with a roof. With a roof. It was 55, 60,000 people. The, the stadium was packed. Yep. They sat in comfort. They watched an awesome game. There was no concern over rain, wind, anything like that. And I just go back to think, why did New South Wales spend $850 million on a brand new awesome stadium brilliant facilities by all accounts in the first couple of weeks, but it does not have a roof. It just does not make any sense to me. I cannot answer that. Look, one thing I hope, Greg, is I see no reason why a roof couldn't be added later, perhaps. One thing I will say, you said you didn't watch much of the first half of the rugby. The one thing they did do, they have a great stadium with a roof closed, and then you have fireworks. Then you have missed, and you can't you can't see a thing for the first ten minutes of the game. That's a valid. <laughs> that, that's a valid point. I I accept that. Yeah. Um, it just was. I just watching it. I'm thinking. You know, we've got a brand new, brilliant stadium, all the top notch facilities, mm. but why a roof yeah. is not a retractable roof was not included. So yes, good weather, open the roof, play open door, like they do in Melbourne, but it's a bit inclement. Close the roof for the comfort of the fans who are paying for these events to occur and paying good dollars, big dollars, but also still baffles me. Yeah, and we had a chat, we're both music fans, and talk about concerts and that, the roof just means takes the weather out of the equation for any concert. Such a good point that, that. you know, you bring some of huge acts that perform at large stadiums in Australia or in Sydney, put a roof on it. Yeah, like I I remember a few years ago, it's not my sort of thing, but I think it was the... uh, the, Etten, the military tattoo, Edinburgh military tattoo, and they, you know, they they do a great show apparently, and I remember it was ruined by rain. Just yeah, silly. But anyway, let me move on. I just couldn't let's stop move thinking about it last night. But let's move on, Gray. We'll move on. So finals. We'll start with the NRL. Greg, now we spoke last week. I think that um, Penrith had already defeated Parramatta. They had, predictably, some would say. 
So we had the games that were played. We had the Storm and the Raiders, which the Raiders were victorious. We spoke about the Raiders. Did you put your $3 on them? I didn't. Oh, sorry, your money I, on the $3.15. I did not, 15. but I, did, I will remind you, I did tip the Raiders in an upset, so I got that one right. We had 28 to 20 to the Raiders. Then we had really entertaining game, Cowboys-Sharks. Great game. It was just, a really – I watched it all. It was a fantastic game. Just great attacking footy. Look, for the purists, probably not the best defence at times, but it went for over 90 minutes – because now in the finals, it's not golden point automatically. It's five minutes each way. And then golden point? Extra time, then golden point. So they couldn't score in the extra time. Then it went to golden point, And Valentine Holmes snapped that two-point uh, two field goal. We'll talk about the game a bit more depth in a sec. And then the bloodbath, the smash-up derby on the Sunday <laughs> between the hated rivals, South and the Roosters, or South Sydney and the Sydney Roosters, 30-14. to 14. The Rabbitohs were victorious. So, we spoke in glowing terms about the AFL, but what a start to the NRL final series. They were great games. They were really... They were all great games, actually. In different ways. In different ways. Yeah, I agree. And I did not pick the um, Bunnies, South Sydney, at all. I thought the Roosters get that, but they were dominant and played outstandingly well and deserved the win. I mean, we'll delve a bit more into the chaos that that game... Well, we might as well do it now. That ensued during that game. Wasn't it from the outset they were out? They were out to kill each other, weren't they? They were, yeah, and almost successfully. I have not seen such aggressive, intentionally aggressive football for such a long time. It was nearly state of origin type play. It was, it was, and look, the sin binnings, seven or eight sin bins, whatever there was. I think it had to be done. You can't let that play go, like all the head eye shots and the. Although once again, lack of consistency. Burgess, Tedesco knocked out of the game, but yet Tedes- uh, Burgess stayed on the field for that particular hit. But then he went for a one that wasn't as bad because, oh, okay, we gave you the doubt on that one, but now you got to... That was a bit disappointing, but... I think the referee got it right. And I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I think... And we've talked about head injuries and the nature of the game and duty of care and all those sort of things previously. But I think the way they were playing that game, both sides... The referee had to step in. I didn't think that he had to use the sin bin. I think he actually did a really good job of trying to manage that game. I agree with you. The only thing is the lack of consistency between week to week, game to game. And even within that game, tackle to tackle, as you said, Tedesco was knocked out from that Burgess tackle for the game. And Burgess at that point was staying on the field. Yeah. Now, as it turned out, less than a minute later, he, he tackled somebody else and went for 10. So I just think there was a there's a lack of interpret lack of consistent lack of consistency in decision making. I'm not opposed to the tough decisions. I'm not opposed to the sin bins, and I'm not even opposed to the number of sin bins in that game. I think pretty much all of them were well deserved. Yeah, I, I agree, Greg. And what I will say is, okay, it it sort of made the game NFL like stop start and all that, but. That's up to the players when they play that way. That's the result. That's exactly right. We, we've talked about this both on and off the pod. If they've got to change their tackling technique, they've got to change their tackling technique. That will that will change the stop-start nature of the game. That will change the sin binning. Not yeah. the referee. Because basically the, the, the argument is, oh, just play that way and let them get away with it. No, that can't happen. My only concern is, would that be... Will, would the same game be refere- refereed like that if it was a grand final? I believe not. 
And that's what, again, I think we'll be having this conversation around consistency. And remember, going back, I remember three weeks ago when the Roosters and Souths played, that's what I fear, that as we move forward, they won't be ref that way. I believe they should, yep. but they won't. Yeah, be very concerning if they're not. Actually, also at the time, it, just by coincidence, it's yesterday or today, the anniversary of this weekend, anniversary of the... 72 grand final, I think it was, between Manly and Cronulla, which was the only game I think ever played that made Sunday's game between the Roosters and South look like a Teddy Bears picnic, the most brutal game played. Mm. And some are saying this that game the other day was the next the next highest in terms of just yeah you know, across the game. It was okay that Newtown the Newtown that brawl game between Newtown and Manly. The brawl itself is probably the most brutal, but it wasn't sort of consistently throughout the game. But that game on Sunday, the shots just kept happening, didn't they? It's probably the most physically aggressive game I've seen outside of State of Origin in, that I can remember. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I loved it, and great. Yeah, they'll fight up on that, but if I don't follow the rules, if you go high, make contact with the head, there's going to be a consequence. I think that was it. There were so many, so many tackles there where there were options, and they were still going for the head. Hmm. I think that's where I think the referee got it right. Yep. That's right. Look, and if the players are too silly to calm that aggression down, and the reason South won the game is in the time they had, when it wasn't the smash-up, which wasn't much, probably 20 minutes of that game was proper footy, and in that time, South were a bit of team. They were. In that yeah. time, and consequently won the game. Look, for the Roosters, look, rightly so, their best player, Tedesco, out of the game, Crichton, was playing well. He was out as well of an injury. He had to go off of an injury. Uh, Tupo, his groin played up again. He only played half the game. He never came back second half. It just wasn't meant to be for the Roosters. Um, and Souths, in the, when it mattered, yeah, just did the job. Alex Johnson, once again, what a freak he is. He is a try-scoring freak. <laughs> Absolute freak. Yeah, so it was great to watch, as, as you said, as physical as I've seen in a club mm. game. I think just about ever. Um, yeah, as I said, arguments over how it was policed, as, as you've mentioned, but just the way it was. And yeah, as I said, I think going forward, the coaches need to, when those two teams play, just need to make good decisions about how they're going to play the game. It looks like that's the way it's going to go forward. There's you know, so much underlying resentment between the two clubs and the media builds that up and plays yep. on and all the rest of it goes with it. And I get that. It you know, increases fan engagement and increases the great crowds every time they play. Book and that's feuds. really important for the sport. Oh, it's great. And I think it's great. And, you know, all the way up, they make it clear. You know, Nick Politis, I think even if the Roosters are having a shocking season, you do not lose to Souths. You step up for the Souths games. Um, and Russell Crowe on the South side, no same difference. Same thing. No book, different at book all. Book of you do not, we do not get beat by the Roosters, full stop. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but great, great game, Greg. And we'll, in, interesting to see how Souths bounce back, but we'll talk about that shortly. All right, slightly less aggressive game, but we mentioned the Storm Raiders briefly. The Raiders just, I think they scored first, then the Storm scored a couple of tries. We thought, oh, this is it, the Storm being the Storm. But the Raiders scored before halftime. I think it was 12 all at halftime. Yep. And then, yeah, the, and the Raiders stepped it up. You know, it was never in the bag as such till late, was it, the game, the result, but... No, but I never got the feeling that 
it was a different Melbourne win either. I, no, the Raiders were competitive all the way through to the point like where Raiders, I was yeah. really leaning, they're going to get this. Yeah. No, but not just, it's not just going to be a try hard and get run down. Yeah, the Storm, to be honest, it was a performance from the Storm like their whole season. Just stop, start. You never felt they were going to do the business like they have in the past, I thought. And they didn't. Now, it's probably the most inconsistent I've seen the Storm in recent times. I mean, they're still semi-finalists and made the finals, etc. But in terms of where they set their benchmark, they didn't achieve what they would have expected to Look, achieve Jer- this year. Yeah, Jer- Jerome Hughes coming back, he wasn't 100% fit, I didn't think. Or a bit rusty. Look, Munster tried his guts out. He was everywhere, you think, but he can't do it on his Not own. Not on his own, no. And the other players didn't quite step up. But Look, that said, credit to Canberra. Oh, I was about to they say. are coming good at the right end of the season. And they have an awesome forward pack. Hudson Young was outstanding. Tarpany's probably the best front row in the game at the moment. Right at this minute, I'd agree. Yeah. This point in time. Well, you know, creative around the rucks. Probably the most significant. I might have touched on this last week. Jamal Fogarty. That long-term injury has been a blessing in disguise because he's came back, what, last two months? Fit, you know, lots of energy. And he just adds adds a great deal of direction and organisation, and just and so Whiten can just play his running game. No, they're sort of the, that team now, aren't they? That no one really wants to play. They're, they're the sneaky. I think the others want to avoid. To be honest, no. Well done, Raiders. And the other one, the entertaining game was Sharks and Cowboys. Now, the only unfortunate thing for this was not many people were able to see it live. Eleven thousand. But you know, you know, sharks deserve their home. They did. They did. It's just unfortunate their their yeah, but what a game. Their fields being still renovated and could only hold eleven thousand at the moment. Disappointing. But you're right. They deserve the home game. It was a, uh, it was a fantastic game. Probably the opposite in terms of the aggression and defence that we saw in the Roosters yep. South game. This one probably lacked a bit of defence. No, and you're it right. Was very but open and very running and high scoring. Open. Yeah, the defence at times wasn't great, but you're really attack and just great to see. Teams are obviously well coached as well, and just having a crack, you know, trying moves, um, throwing the ball around, just attack, good attacking footy. Yeah, it was very entertaining. It was really entertaining, and it wasn't slow. It wasn't stop start. It was open running footy for most of the game. It was it was really well played. Look, I think one of the great things about the result is obviously whoever both teams wanted to win to get that week off and a prelim final in their home city. But the loser, it was great to see at least the loser. It wasn't the end of the road by any stretch. No, it was a game that deserved a second chance. And luckily, where they they being a top four game, the both teams had if they had lost had that yeah. second chance. And I think, as you said, very well deserved both teams. And it was great to see that. Yeah, the Sharkies lost in that. You know, when we end up in Golden Point, but they get to run around and, and still they have do. a good crack. And they're playing well as well. Oh, certainly are. It was interesting, though, different supporters. So my son, or I mentioned Liam, he follows the Cowboys. And he said when it went to extra time, he thought we're gone. But yet, Cookie, mate, Cookie, who's a mad Sharkies fan, he thought the same. He thought, Canola aren't winning this. It's gone. So <laughs> I guess as supporters, isn't it, we always see things in the worst light at times. So true. One thing I will say, though, before Holmes kicked that ball, as soon as he got that ball, that was always he was always going to kick it. I thought just his body language. Oh, he was very confident stepping into it. I agree. And a forty—that's that's a forty-two meter drop goal. It was that's a big not easy. Drop goal, no. 
Hence the reason why the Sharkies won by uh, sorry, the Cowboys won by two points. Yeah. So but yeah, just a great advertisement for the game. It was. Yeah. Which leads us in, Greg, to So all probably the most significant thing, who would have thought? Roosters and the Storm gone first week of yeah, the finals. Not many people would have picked that. Both of them, I mean. Mine or the other, maybe, but not both of them. But look, I think it's refreshing in that, you know, a few different teams are up and about. So that leads us to this week. So we have the two finals. Unfortunately, it is season over for the losers. So to, well, it's Friday. So tonight's game, Parramatta and the Raiders. And tomorrow, which we're actually attending. We are. Us, and you can get to look at your favourite stadium. New stadium group. without a roof. Looking forward to. And we are, we are only about eight or ten rows back from the, the side. Interesting from the uh, sideline. Interesting with rains. But yeah, so it's Parramatta, Canberra. Tonight, where's that? Is that? I don't know where that. I'm going to say Combank, Combank or ANZ. But anyway, it's been it's been played in Sydney this evening. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I think it'll be a really close game. I'm, I have no faith in Para. I'm going to go with Canberra. I just think think Canberra on a roll. They travel well. They're used to travelling. I, they've got they've got a run on. Yeah, I think they do well. Yep. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm I'm going to tip Canberra. Canberra for you. Yeah, I really want Canberra to win. I yes, they know of Parramatta. They're so inconsistent. The only I think on form, the the Raiders can certainly do it. Yeah, it is Combank Stadium, by the way. Can certainly do it. My only concern with the Raiders is the difference between their best and their worst is significant. It is a big range, and if they don't come ready and prepared, it could be a blowout the opposite way to power. I agree. How, however, they haven't they haven't put in one of those shockers for a while. Not for a while. And, and, and para are renowned, sadly, for just fading in the finals. They are out in straight sets would be normal for them. And I was, yeah, a bit of speculation too. If para do go out in straight sets, you know that possibly quite possibly will be the end of the road for Brad Arthur. Yeah, you know, consistently getting them there, but can't go any further. But anyway, yeah, we're not going to. I don't think we're going to worry about coaching, coaching situations at this stage. That merry-go-round will start again early next season, whatever. Of so, of course, yeah, but should should be a cracking game. Look, Parramatta supporters should be still excited. Like and if, com- they, if they and play they their best, they should not be confident. They are. Pl- they have been playing well, and the fact they're at home, mm. so it's going to be a cracker. I can't wait. To be honest. And as we mentioned, the one we're attending tomorrow, Saturday, South Saturday night. Sharkies. What, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm struggling to pick this one. I, I guess my heart says I want Sharkies to win. I'd really like to see the Sharkies get mm-hmm. through. They've had such a good season, playing well under a new coach. I think, well, I'm with you. I actually think they will. I just don't think, Greg, I just... Not sure South's played that. Although they won last week and they were, they were tough at times when it mattered, they played the as we mentioned the best footy in, when it was actually footy. I'm still not sure they played that well. They had their moments. Look, I think Sharkies played a very long the extra ten minutes, so they're going in tired. But then South was such a physical game; they'll be a bit busted up from that. I think some of the players as well. So I think that cancels each other out. It's Sydney for both of them, so that sort of cancels each other out. And we've got, isn't it, we've got Sharks played 93 minutes last week. Souths played an absolutely smash-up derby. 
so they're going to be they're going to be feeling it. Sharks are going to be feeling it, so they'll cancel each other That's out. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm I'm thinking the sharks. I think the sharks will get through. That's my tip. I'm with you as well. However, having said that, Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker, if they both fire, if they both fire for the whole game, for the majority of the that, game, that South will make will win. that will make a big difference, and South will probably get through. Yeah. Well, once again, both supporters should be heading to Alliance tomorrow confident. Whoever loses is going to be shattered because, you know, there's no clear favourite. You wouldn't go, you know, not going in thinking there's a one is a clear favourite over the other. Definitely not. So bring it on. All right. Greg, over to the AFL now. Also, yes. now, quickly, a finals last week, last Friday night, saw the Demons, the last year's premiers out in straight sets. Just never got going this year, really. Early on they did, but then just inconsistent mm. throughout the year. The Lions, definitely an upset. We both predicted. Oh, we, we didn't predict the victory. We predicted because it looked so much like it would be an easy Demons win. Well, as you said, Lions have been inconsistent. It was in Melbourne. Demons are defending Premiers. No reason really why the Lions should have went close, and therefore we predicted they would. Mm. <laughs> and went more than close. Look, yeah, just Demons, just when it counted, just not quite, not quite up to it. And the Lions, when it did count, with Aaron up. stepped up, yeah. yeah. Look, uh, the, Lion, the Lions coach felt really good for him because they've been so close. Like you said, they've been a bit Parramatta-ish. Played good footy, made finals and kept going out. And couldn't get across the line when it counted. Couldn't yeah. get across the line. But yeah, they they held their, held their nerve um, totally um, self-indulgently. Like you said, they wore their Fitzroy strip, which always makes me, makes me smile. So yeah, great stuff. Look, and so the Lions now tackled Geelong. We'll talk about that, which is on this evening. Look, Collingwood Frio. I didn't see all of this game, but unfortunately for me, Frio played like I, I thought they would. And it'd be frustrating for their fans. Yeah. They you know played really well to win last week, although a slow start. They Look, I know travelling to Melbourne's not easy, but for a final. Step, they, yeah. Yeah, Collingwood, Collingwood just basically um, just strangled them. From the beginning. Yeah. Didn't give him much. Freo made a little bit of a late charge, but it was all over. Never likely. Never likely. And Collingwood really deserved their win, which leads to two salivating games. We mentioned this evening Geelong and Brisbane. So, look, obviously Geelong raging favourites. But Brisbane, they did it last week. And who, look, no one expected, again? really didn't expect Brisbane, except the real Brisbane faithful, to get this far. So they got nothing to lose. Go out there and have a crack. They did it in Melbourne last week. They'll be in Melbourne again tonight, as you said. Go and give it a real crack and see what happens. And I, I don't think they'll get it. I think, as you said, Geelong are raging favourites for this one. For a prelim final, so Lions are three dollars sixty. For a prelim final, mm. that's yeah, that's pretty pretty high odds, aren't they? Look, if Geelong play anywhere near their best, they'll win and probably will win reasonably comfortably. But if they don't, and they were and they were pretty scratchy against against Collingwood the other they week. They had their moments ago, yeah. They didn't play well at all, to be honest. But they did enough, like good teams do, to win. So you know, if the Lions keep it up, if their guns fire, mm. the midfield, Lockie Neal, etc. Look, a few ins. I think Joe Danaher's back up front. So you know, if they've, I think at the MCG. And it was the Lions' first win there for like eight years or something yep. last week. 
the Lions, in these sort of games, they have to start well. If Geelong come out of the blocks and are up five, six goals by quarter time, I think that'll be all she wrote. I dare say you're right. If they're playing catch-up, they won't catch up. But look, looking forward to watching that one. But yeah, so we're calling the Cats. So apologies to all Geelong fans. That's the end of them. That probably will be. (laughs) Now the other absolutely mouth-watering game in Sydney, the Swannies and Collingwood. Now... It's a dollar thirty-seven favourites are the Swannies, three dollars Collingwood. That look in football sense, that's probably about right. In reality, I think it should be two dollars each. I think it'd be closer than that. The reason I fear Collingwood because I know if they play their best, they can win. But the Swannies, if we play, we or Swannies play their best, can will certainly win as well. So, look, Collingwood, they just find a way. They just. Like you said, they haven't won. What is it? Two, two, lost two out of the last thirteen games by fluke. You know they're playing really, really good football. Real, you know, defend well, don't give much away, and they just wear teams down, which sort of is what the Swannies do as well. Yeah, that with a bit of attacking, probably a bit more attacking spark through the midfield and the and the forwards for the Swannies. But hottest ticket in town. We we were going to have a festival of footy, weren't we? We tried. That was that was the aim, but yeah, was, was not to be. No, I'm a member, but you could only get one ticket per membership, and so we tried. We after that, just public sale. You could only get a seat. You couldn't get a seat together, basically. Mm. So we missed out. So we'll we'll go to a, a pub and have a look at it before we head to the to the NRL. But yeah, it's going to be sold out. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Yeah, great great night, great match. Looking forward to it. Hopefully, look, I'm I'm tipping the Swans. I'm tipping the Swans as well, without with with heart. But I would not be surprised if if Collingwood get up. That wouldn't surprise me either. Yes. And look, assuming the Cats win, which they most likely will, either way, the AFL will be very happy with the grand final. Yes. Geelong, Sydney, or Ge- oh, Geelong Collingwood, they would love absolutely that love that. That would be that. huge. Two Victorian from AFL teams. point of view. And two, unless the Cats have been the best team all year, yeah. the most consistent over over the over the journey. Collingwood have been Collingwood, but it, yeah. But also the Sydney popular team. You know, a lot of people in Melbourne don't like the Swans because they are Sydney. But yeah, what well, them and Geelong? That it would be the it would be the Victorian versus New South Wales thing as well. Yeah. So yeah, both promoters' dreams, and you know, even if if Brisbane were to get up. That wouldn't be a bad thing either. Look, Brisbane, Sydney, you'd think on paper, well, who's going to support that? But both those teams still have Melbourne connections. You've got Fitzroy and the old Fitzroy South Fitzroy Mel- and South Melbourne. Melbourne. So, yeah, so whatever the results are, it's going to be a you know, a good good grand final next week for, for the AFL. Right. And just in, there wasn't much else off the field in the AFL, Greg, this week. Um, but... We are heading into the awards time. So Brownlow Medal, which is, I think, Monday night. So Lockie, I think Clayton Oliver from the Melbourne Demons is the favourite. But also there's a few other, particularly gun midfielders. Um, Lockie Neal from Brisbane is still a chance. Um, and Or it could be someone you know, out of left field, as you never know with the Brownlow. Because they have open voting and then it closes up. Is that right? Like. It's, no, they announce it at all because it's umpires' votes. Right, okay. So they do the whole round. Um, if you're ever 
if you if you're ever um, tired and can't sleep, just put the Brownlow count. It is the most boring thing to watch. I, I won't be watching it. Just putting it out there. No, but if you have to flick and see it for two minutes, just watch it. It's imagine that for twenty rounds, no. twenty five rounds. It is yeah. Look, the Victor, the Eastern states, the AFL states love it. It's just part of the tradition. But yeah, it's not the most exciting thing to watch until the end. You just tune in when they're about right to finish the, it, yeah. about to wind it up. Um, but with umpires, look, like anything like that, particularly if umpires, referees, and umpires, like same as rugby league used to be with the Rothmans medal. It's around the action. So some people's criticism of the brown wave, it's always mid, nearly always midfielders who take it out because they're where the action is. Yep. And they're the ones the umpires see most the most noticeable, of. yeah. But you know, that's fair, but that's not to say there has been plenty of players who aren't rovers, aren't midfielders who win it. So we will see. Right, very briefly, Greg, your new team, the Steelers. Yes. NFL, you played my team, the Did Bengals. We? I missed the oh, game. And what's more, Steelers were all over them for a while. Then the Bengals came back, got to 20 or scored a very, very late touchdown. The Bengals did. 20 or with a kick for goal. You know, right in front. They hardly ever miss. And this is the kicker for the Bengals who got them in the Super Bowl with 58 yards, you know, conversions. So 20 yards out and it gets charged down. You're in extra time. Sorry, it went to extra time. Extra. 20 or went to extra time and missed the goal. So and that was that. <laughs> so Steelers, Steelers beat the Bengals. But anyway, just a slip up for the Bengals. I'm hoping. But great uh, to see only the one season game. the way. Only one game. Only one game. Look, in that part of the world, the U.S. Open finished up. So we talked about Nick Curios last week. He didn't quite make it to the finals, but it was Carlos Alcaraz, the young Spaniard, defeated Casper Rudd from Norway. Not sure if you saw any of it or I saw didn't, the result. I didn't, but I is is Carlos the next big thing? He is the next big it thing. Sounds like he might be the next big thing. He won in four sets. He has just beaten Leighton Hewitt by a, a month or two. He's net and he was named world number one. So he's the, the world youngest, youngest number one. Men's number one. Yes. At I think eighteen or nineteen years of age. So yeah, big career head for Carlos. I don't know much about him. No, I don't either. Um definitely keen to find out. He's what his best surfaces are. Dare say being a Spaniard. Like, I'm Clay, sure, I'm sure, I'm sure he's no slouch on clay. But well well done to, to Carlos. And in with the women, it was um, Swayatek beat, I think, Jabia, the Tunisian. And I think it was straight sets. It was quite It a, was straight sets. I did see the result of that, yeah. Yeah, so, so well done to her. And probably most significantly, only this morning, Rod, the GOAT. Roger Federer has announced he'll be retiring. He's got one more tournament left, the Labor Cup, the in, end of the in month. In London, yeah. And he's he'll be retiring from tennis after that. And what can you you mentioned Serena? What can you say? Yeah. Look, to me, twenty Grand Slams. I think Roger's won. Like Djokovic has one more. I think Grand Slams and will go down tech statistically as a better player. And Rafa similar, but in my mind, Federer is the out of those three, like I think Federer is the best. I, I think the thing with Federer, he his game was so versatile. He actually performed on all surfaces. All surfaces, yep. And plus the whole package, really, wasn't it? The sportsmanship, um, you know, and just very easygoing, you know, media wise. Yeah, you know, interviewed well. Um, you know, the 
early days, the women loved him. Yeah. Or still do. Yeah. Yeah. Just a yeah, just a dream player, really. Yeah. Yeah. No, no shenanigans off the court. Yeah, just a great advertisement. No, just, just a great advocate for the game. For the game, for sport in general, for professional sport in general. Yeah. And ironically, apparently, I'm not sure, this is only what I've heard, but like lots of them, was a bit of a hothead in the juniors. I've heard the same thing. Yeah. He was very fiery as a... As a Early days. When but he first was on the junior circuit. Saw the error in his weight, matured very quickly and you know, just became an absolute gentleman. Yeah. About how, he, how he went about it. So, look, well done. I won't say we'll never see his like again because we always say that in sport. And, and someone yep. steps up. They it's do. just amazing to have three players oh. of that caliber in the same generation. That's rare. To have him, Nadal and Djokovic all playing in the very same yep. era. And you wonder, and the fact is, I guess um, Nadal with his French Open wins, could you imagine if there was only one of them, like in Sam Press's era or, you know, him and Agassi. Can you imagine there was one dominant player? How many Grand Slams would they have won? Because they tend to play for longer now. That's right. 40, 50 Grand yeah. Slams? Yeah. No, nah, just just absolutely outstanding. One thing I will say, though, does annoy me a little bit. Late legend was bandied around 30 years ago. It's mm. either been bandied around. Goat. By definition, there can only be one. Correct. You can add an S and say one of the goats. No, there's one. But technically, goat, greatest of all time, can only be one. Can only be one greatest. Yes. So it, I do get a little bit annoyed when you hear people talking about, oh, this bloke's the goat. And the same sport, same gender, mm. he's a, he's the goat. Well, hang on. <laughs> there can only be one. But anyway, that's a debate for, for another day. But well done, Roger. Roger. Great career. Cricket, just briefly... Just wanted to mention Rachel Haynes has announced her retirement from international cricket. I did see that, yeah. Um, great batsman, left-handed batsman. She did step up and captain Australia, I think, 14 times. A few times, yes. Yep. And she also has won six world championships, so World Cups and things. So that's... Pretty amazing career. That's a, that's a handy career. I think basically averaged just shy of 40 in all formats. So that, that's consistent. Yeah, just and a re- really good fielder as well. Sort of short in, sort of gully point type area fielder. So yeah, she's just had a great career. Well, as as with any sports people, getting on a bit. She had a child last year, I believe. You know, being a mum and all that. And yeah, the timing was right. She said to to call it a day. So well, well done, to Rachel. That's a great, great career. Great career. All right, guys. Just while we're on cricket. It came up this week that Aaron Finch, after our comments last week, which we'll revisit, Aaron Finch announced his retirement from one-day cricket. I've, we have wrecked Aaron Finch's career. In the space of a 30-second comment on a podcast. For those who didn't listen last week, we mentioned the talk of Aaron Finch, you know, concerns about his batting and lack of runs and you know, whether he might be dropped from the team. And we both agreed, didn't we? That for what he offered... As, a, his as cap- captain, his experience, leadership qualities, the way the players play for him, obviously respect him as a leader. That that wouldn't be happening. And there was no one that we could think of really obvious immediately to step in in that role. So we thought, no, you know, that, that would persevere with him for a while, for a bit longer. Yeah, they did for two days till he announced his retirement <laughs> after our comment. So yeah. the- That said, though, that's only one 
one day internationals. He's still playing 2020. He's still and captain still captain the 2020 team. Yes. yes. So Look, it's just a 50 over game. Yeah. So at that format, and he's fantastic. Um, yeah. So a bit of a surprise. We yeah we backed him to to hang around a bit longer. Must admit, though, a little bit of watching. He was getting out to balls. He, he shouldn't be getting out for it that level. I wasn't watching the recent one, but I know reading the results, he, he wasn't performing. Yeah. And basically, it was any ball, <laughs> any ball on the stumps, basically. Now, any ball that moves in a little bit. Yeah. He getting, often gets bowled through the gate. Was getting him, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, look, he's been a. Wonderful captain. Hugely successful captain as well in that shorter formats of the game. Yeah, I've always admired him. Um, look, and his record is still really good mm. overall in one day as. So, yeah, no, he's done an outstanding job. And look, there's talk now. It's it's going to be the sort of talk I think cricket needs. Steve Smith's, whether Steve Smith will be considered. Or he will be considered, I think. And the other name and, I heard was... Do they give Dave Warner yeah. a crack? Well, I don't think Warner's long-term. Like, he's great. He'll hang around for a few more years. But, yeah. Not, well, A, it opens up that, you know, given their history and all that, well, which is fine. And, and the media will love that sort of debate. Yeah. Well, Smith has obviously been allowed to captain again and is vice-captain the test team and actually captain yeah. a test last summer when... He did. So, I, I don't have a huge problem with that. You can't, you know, any sort of punishment in any walk of life. You can't... It's not a proper... Yeah, you know, when it ends, it ends. Yeah. So I got no issue with that. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go. But anyway, well done, Aaron Finch. And you know, look forward to seeing him still captaining our 2020 international team. Yeah, with a with a World Cup coming up again in Australia in Next the not too distant future. Very, very, very soon. So and they are defending World Cup cha- 2020 champions, so it'll be interesting to see how they perform it will this be. time round with a short only twelve months between the, the tournaments, which is a bit interesting. It is, so well done, Finchy. Now, Basketball Women's World Cup, Greg. I know you're very excited. I am excited. Um, I think hosting it, not just in Australia, but in our home city of Sydney, it's really exciting to have it know, is. that level of play on, on our doorstep. So I am looking forward to it. It starts Thursday, starts next Thursday, I believe. Very soon. Very and, soon. And not surprisingly, I've seen you know on online and in the media – with Lauren Jackson's everywhere. Her yeah, face look, is what, what, she's not, I mean, she's the elder of the team, and that's being polite. Yes. Deserves a spot. No one, I'm not questioning that, but she's certainly elder of the team. But yeah, using her face as a promotion, publicity, and the voice, absolutely brilliant. Oh, absolutely it, it brilliant. Is. Now, on the court, so who's your tip to win it? Can we look, win it? Look, it's hard to go, be, my heart says Australia will be competitive. USA. But it's hard to go past the USA women's. They are been so dominant for so long. Yeah, in, in, they're know, the team to beat, aren't they? World Cups in Olympics, they will be the team to beat. They're 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 interesting because the WNBA finals are actually still happening at the moment, and they finished till later this week. Now I'm not sure if they've got their full squad here or they're waiting for that to finish. I know the squad is in Sydney. They arrived, I think it was on Wednesday. But I'm not sure if any of the players still playing are also in the squad will come I, out and may, so, and may miss the first game. I don't know. But the majority of their squad, if not all, are in, arrived on Wednesday, I believe it was. I think the other teams to watch, Japan actually won the silver yeah, medal I last year in Tokyo at the Olympics. So they'll be up and about. Canada, who won the bronze in Tokyo, are also mm-hmm. really strong. And then you've got the Europeans. and Europeans always 
consistent, aren't they? They perform Both really men's well. and women's. Yeah. But yeah. So, but Australia on on the up and up, they didn't. They had you know some internal dramas which they will the players will acknowledge just before the Tokyo Olympics and did not perform where to the level they wanted to perform. And they've regrouped. They've restructured yep. the team a bit. Is that uh, sorry? I don't recall her name. But Elizabeth Cambage. Cambage, yeah. yeah is, she, is she she's out of the squad no, now? No, not playing at all. Not playing at all, right. Uh, um, so the squad, I think, in terms of togetherness, for want of a better word, I think they've really worked on their team culture since the Olympics and you know, players that want to be there really rate playing for Australia. They're the ones they selected. So I think they're feeling confident about their preparation, about the team they've put together, about playing in front of their own fans having a home World Cup. So I think Australia will certainly be medal contenders. I wouldn't guarantee it, but I think they'll be there or thereabouts contending for in the medal rounds. And there's a lot to be said. You can't beat that playing at home. You know, crowd, just the crowd. The crowd. And the, obviously, you know, not more familiar with everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's always worth whatever sport when you play these tournaments in your home country. You know, those, those teams seems to rise up on they all do. occasions. They do. So, good luck. Yeah, good, good luck to the Opals. To the Opals. We'll, we'll, and we'll, we look we'll, forward to your, to your regular updates. Yeah, Greg. we'll update it next week because they will have started. Well, hopefully we'll record the pod on the Friday. So, we should have the Thursday opening day and some games to talk about. Um, but good luck to the Opals. And I hope hopefully they do well in a really great competition over the, the week and a half that it runs. Yeah, it'd be great, great for basketball, you know. In this country. Just the last thing, just going back to rugby league, Greg, I just wanted to talk briefly um, about Caitlin Moran or Moran. The Newcastle. Yeah. NRLW Newcastle player. Business player. Look, yeah, got into a little bit of strife during the week. Yeah. I, I didn't quite, I haven't seen the post. So, can you uh, fill me in? After the Queen passed away yep. and she's Indigenous, she made quite a derogatory comment on Instagram regarding the Queen, the, the monarchy and the royal family. Yep. And the, look, for a lot of Indigenous people, the history of the monarchy and the issue, the climate that's created and the memory that's created for Indigenous people is not very positive. And, and she basically put a message on Instagram using quite negative language regarding the Queen. While I completely understand her sentiments... I don't condone the language that was used. What was it basically implying that good or not good? No, not good. Okay. Yeah, not not good at all. Okay. Okay. No, I, I meant she was saying good that she passed away. Yes. Sorry, that, M- misinterpreted question. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Ba- basically saying it was a positive she passed away. Yeah. Look, and at the bit I've heard about it, I totally agree with you. I guess she was looking at the Queen as the figurehead of the. Imperial, correct, whatever you want to call it. Yes, that had come two hundred years ago, and let's and we all know what happened. Like, let's face it, you know the genocide at times, correct, and things. So, yeah, but I completely understand and support First Nations feelings towards the monarchy, but the language used in this post was not appropriate. Yep. Now, now the the punishment she got a week ban immediately. Well, I think she played the first week while they investigated after the post, but yep. she's banned from playing this week. Now, my issue with her ban is that, and we talked about this last week on our podcast, that the player from Penrith, whose name... Taylor May. Taylor May, who not only was accused, but actually 
admitted, found guilty, however you want to word it, of assaulting another individual was banned for two weeks, but that was suspended till next year. Till next year, yep. Because... I don't want the fans to suffer. Now, so the fans of the women's game can suffer from some inappropriate language, and it was inappropriate. Yep. But it was only a post on Instagram. It has since been deleted. And that player and those fans miss out on a week immediately, and yet a, a, a male player who assaults someone... Has there been yeah. moved? That, just the, yeah. again, we go back to NRL inconsistency. Yeah, that doesn't correspond. Look, I'm with you, Greg. The, those comments were obviously totally inappropriate and unfair to the Queen. However, the punishment. Um, I'm with you. Also, I was listening to the boys on um, this week in league on my way down here, and and as they mentioned, well, the punishment. You got to remember, the NRLW season is so short. So one game. And the fine she copped was it twenty five grand? It was I, can't, I don't know the financial five grand fine, or but something. I know it was one week. But someone wrote an article apparently, and to equate it to the average NRL player, and the fine of twenty twenty five grand, that's how it correlates. So that's that's over the top, isn't it? The and I hadn't heard that, but if that's how you know when you look at the number of games and the money they earn, that's ridiculous. Equivalent of five game ban for. Yes, an inappropriate post and probably deserved a consequence. But should have been immediately, should have been that significant, that severe. I mean, talk about missing out on players. She is a former Indigenous All-Star and an ex-Jillaroo, yep. had played for Australia. So when you talk about the NRLW, she's a great player, great, yeah, great very, credentials very good player. to the field. Those Newcastle fans now miss out. The team now misses out. It just doesn't equate to me, as I said, not not saying there shouldn't be a consequence, but you can't treat the male game that no, one way no and the female there, game completely there. differently. That's my issue. No. And yeah, and I don't think it's arguable that you, because it, it is inconsistent and in, in that case, not really fair, I don't think. So as we keep raising, sadly, week after week, the NRL needs to look at their consistency. On, at a number... On a number of levels. Yeah. Look, there's always going to be grey areas, I know, and it is also listening to another podcast saying that well, consistency is hard because every every situation is different, but some consistency, at least some ball in the ballpark of consistency, would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be, rather than this. Yes, but Greg, that that's our wrap for the week. That's a week. In, that's our week in sport. Now, moving forward, not really a dive, but more of a history look. Just, we're just going to have a short chat shortly, just about well, it is finals time, and just a bit of reminiscing about you know finals that we remember in, in whatever football. And I was going to say, not just in football, but yeah. maybe all sport, because I think there's some sport. great ones in tennis and World Cup finals. World Cup finals. So Davis Cup yeah, finals. Yeah, maybe, you know maybe just have a chat about you know great finals we can remember that have impacted on us. Look forward to it. Okay, Greg. Now, rather than a deep dive, more of a history talk, but a bit of a combination. Finals, just in general, it is football finals time. But finals in any sport, at the end of the season, so the best teams, most often, occasionally some who shouldn't sneak in there, but the best teams playing for keeps, you know, playing for, be it World Cup, premierships, whatever it might be, just great games. Generally, there are some shockers. But have we all have great memories mm. of those? So, 
any sport. What, well, well, what's two, one of your top two, ones? Two, it's really interesting. Two that stick in my mind, and this is bizarre, are both tennis. And I, I guess yep. because they both involved Australians. Yep. And in both occasions, Australians lost. So one I'm thinking of is when Pat Rafter lost the Wimbledon final. Yep. To, to Goran. Goran Ivanovic. Ivanovic. I think that's brilliant. Finals, you know, I was a huge Pat Rafter fan. I'll be honest, I put that on the table, and I think that was his real opportunity to win. And what a game! But it, it was a great match. It was my um, my wife Kelly was actually there. Now I know you're a big Pat Rafter fan, but an amateur compared to Kel. I dare say you're right with that. Absolutely huge fan. Um, yeah. So I'd met Kelly just before that, but she went. It's long story behind that. She she paid a fortune for her ticket, which ended up. It was meant to be the day before, but it was washed out. So to go to the final the next day was only 50 pounds, I think, to get in. And everyone who lined up got in because it was on a Monday. Mm. I was in the UK. I was working out at Reading at a school. I'd taken a bit of time off. I flirted with the idea, but thought, no, you know, I've taken time off. So I, just, I went to work and we were watching it after school on TV mm-hmm. at school. So watching it, you know, in... Real time, you know, we're used obviously in Australia. It's always night time watching it, but to watch it during the day, it was just you know staff members coming in and out and just oh, you know, ooing and ahhing. Mm. It was just yeah, it was just something special. So I that, can only imagine how it was, you know, how it came across back home. In yeah, Australia. stayed up late that night, watched it, the rest of it. So no, that that's one that really sticks in my mind. The other one is when Leighton Hewitt lost the Australian Open, and I'm. I think it was to Marin Safin, the Russian. So. Yeah, I think so. Again, a huge, you know, playing in front of his home crowd, his home grand slam. He was at the top of his game at the time. He was ranked number one or thereabouts at the time. So really at the peak. And Australia hadn't had, Australians really struggled in their home grand slam. And it was the, that that big opportunity. And I I think that was a five set match as well. And he, he went down in five to He did. And to it, Safin. And, yeah, you know, two characters who could be fiery as well. But yeah, Leighton, he just couldn't quite do it, could he? No, you know? no. Just again, I think the... And he wasn't that type of player, but it just seemed the occasion got to him just enough to make that difference. Yeah. Look, sorry, just back to the to the Rafter Gorham one. And remember, there was match points to both, both of, them, of them quite yep. a lot. And, it, and I remember at one stage, Gorham was serving and he... He'd do an ace and he wanted that same ball back, which you're allowed to do, apparently. Yep. You can request the ball back, yes. Request the ball back. And yeah, it was the tension. You could just yep. cut the, you could just tell on TV, you could cut the air of a knife. And it, and that's when you know they're great. When you talk, you know, people talking about sport often get brought up. Well, while we're on tennis, the other one that lots of people still talk about today is that Davis Cup final. Pat Rafter versus Michael Pernforce from Sweden. Yes, yep. Where it started, and Pernforce just was all over Pat Cash. It was he was two love up, and I think four love up, something like something like that, something ridiculous in the third set. Pat Cash just Cash wasn't playing bad. Pernforce was just on fire, but he just hung in there, you know, gritted away, fought back, won that third set, and won the game, um, and. Yeah, to come back from where he was was you know, unbelievable. I remember watching it. I think I was in Cooma visiting relatives and family members there who watched a fair bit of tennis. I remember my dad as well saying that's that's the best comeback in tennis I've mm. ever seen. And people still talk about it to this day. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I know, Australian players traditionally have really stepped up and I, you know, I know they've changed the format recently, but Davis Cup was huge in Australia for a long time and our best players, you until more recent times, always put their hand up to play Davis Cup and, and often performed another level. While on Davis Cup, I remember when Australia played France in France for the yep. final and Philippoussis was leading the team at the yep. time. In, and, in Nice. And they actually beat France on clay, yep. which was unheard clay. of at the now, time. Now, this will surprise you. Kelly was also there, my There's wife. a shock. Who would have thought? Yep, she was there supporting that. And it was a great final. And it was and it was very spicy. The crowd were booing, you know, booing the Australians at all times. And, yeah, it got a bit narky. But we won. And it was great. And Scud, and Scud really stepped up. Step right. And that's what I mean. He, he struggled at different times of his career. But in that situation, representing Australia. It was f- funny, too. Hewitt, in the modern day... Wasn't it? Didn't matter. He didn't care about all the money and that. Davis Cup was his first priority. Always. And he said every year when he got the draw, the draw for the whole year, first thing he looked at was Davis Cup. Where were the Davis, Davis Cup windows? And I've got to yep. manage around that. Many. So, yeah, and he played like it. And be it, didn't matter who he played, Sam Prez at his prime, Roger Federer for Sweden, oh, sorry, Switzerland, sorry, that Hewitt beat them. And if you had someone to play for your life in a Davis Cup game... You'd want Leighton Hewitt. I agree. He saw the best of him in those Davis Cup matches oh. by far. He was... He just loved it. Absolutely loved it. And, you know, succeeded. Now, footy. For me, the most best grand final, I think, ever and the most painful one and it was the 89, 1989 grand final, Balmain-Canberra. So I grew up as Balmain supporter, as like my dad and lots of quite a few family members. Look, didn't have a lot of success. Good team in the 80s, but not a lot. We made the 88 grand final from fifth spot with Ellery Hanley, mm-hmm. English input, who was in the grand final, was knocked out. I was going to say, Lamb. he was taken out within the first few minutes, if I remember correctly. He was. Yeah, you know, no, no video ref in those days. So Terry Lamb got away with that. Um, I still don't know if Tigers would have won anyway, but anyway. Canterbury won that game. So next year, we were one of the better teams, playing really well, prelim final. Souths were the minor premiers that year. We beat South. That was back when if you won that final in the second week, you went straight to the grand final. And we won that, not convincingly, but in a really high-quality game. So Balmain were the favourites. Then Canberra played South in the prelim and rolled Souths. They went out in straight sets. So Canberra, look, they were up-and-up team. They had... Obviously, Mal Meninga, Steve Wallace, good Queenslanders. They input a lot of Queenslanders, but just some really good kids who had just come through. Yeah, just a golden period. Bradley Clyde, local junior. Laurie Daly from Junee. Ricky Stewart, Canberra. And they were just on the up and up. But anyway, of course, Sydney media, being the Sydney media, the Raiders needn't bother getting on the bus, apparently, to go up the Hume way because the Tigers has had it in the bag. And as a kid, I was, what, 16, 17? I fought that, and I started to believe it. You bought in, mate. So anyway, out they run, and you just felt the Tigers scored a really lucky and spectacular try before half time. They go in 11-2, I think it was, at half time. Even then, you just thought, it's not going to happen. It just You had that feeling the Raiders weren't going to do it. So, look, second half, it went to – it was even at um, – Full-time, scores were even. Just really quality game, end-to-end, hard, but nothing, you know, not illegal. 
anything like that. Just really hard games, major turning points. In ex- um, Warren Ryan, the coach, took off Steve Roach and um, Ciro, Paul Sironen, the gun forwards, to get more tackling-type players. Kevin Hardwick being one of them onto the field. Um, yeah, he was came for that. But anyway, in extra time, they Canberra scored a good try. I think Steve Jackson was the prop forward. Yeah, and so for the poor old Tigers, it didn't quite happen. Probably the next two significant things in the second half were, or a few, uh, little Ginger Megs. You remember him, Mick Neal, the 5'8". He was going to score. Mal Meninga ankle tapped him, dove and just got his ankle and stopped him scoring. Ben Elias had that field goal. Bouncing Benny from 20 metres out in front, he hit the crossbar. Yeah, you could hear it rattle. I reckon the goalpost was two or three minutes later, still shaking. Wasn't meant to be. Wayne Pierce, there was a huge overlap, dropped the ball. Just wasn't meant to be. But yeah, goes down as one of the best, if not the best, grand final. Right. Any goals for you? For Craig? rugby league for me, and I, you'll know the details because you're better at your rugby league history than me, but it was the year that Melbourne beat the St. George Illawarra. Yep. I was at that game. In the grand final. And it was the first year of the merged St. George Illawarra yes. team. So St. George Dragons and Illawarra Steelers had merged after Super League. And they hadn't a brilliant team because they got basically the best of the Illawarra Steelers. Yep. And the you know, you had Rod Wishart and Paul McGregor. You had lots, Fitzgibbon. Fitzgibbon. Um, actually that game, Greg, sorry to interrupt you. I watched it with Liam last year. I said, have a look at this, see how many NRL coaches you can count. It went on, but anyway. I digress. Trent Barrett, but then you had um Anthony Mundine from Yep, good forward. Brad as well. McKay, I think, was still playing at that time. Like just yep. great dragon slash Illawarra team. Yep. Playing Melbourne. I think it was Mel- was it Melbourne's first season in the competition. Second, Second yeah. season in the competition, thank you. And Dragons were winning the game, played really well up until the last few minutes. Oh yeah. Now I was there. Now, as you know, I've I've warmed a bit to the Dragons, but they were apart from mainly my most hated team. Um, and half time, the Storm weren't playing bad, but Dragon scored a few tries just before half time. The Storm tried a chip and chase. Brett Kamali chip and chase didn't get it, and I went. Um, Nathan Blacklock attacked the mm-hmm. ball really hard. About halfway, he got it and just went through unopposed under the sticks. So it went to eighteen two. It was eighteen two. I think it was at half time. And you know, me and my mates were all on the Melbourne bandwagon. Didn't want Saints to win. And I remember some St. George supporters dancing in the stands. And I said to my mate, always dangerous dancing at halftime in a grand final. Never celebrate too early, ever. Yeah, and the second half, it just... Well, we'll talk about the end, which we all know. But the second half, yeah, the storm just stayed in it. Just kept grinding away. Look, I think... Sadly, the Dragons, I think, were like those fans you are talking about. They were ready to celebrate too early and, and shut down too yep. far too early. Mundine stuffed up badly yep. at one yep. stage. Had a try line begging, like wide open and dropped the ball. Dropped the ball, yeah. There was one. There was a couple others as well. Um, but then what happened, wasn't it, very late? It was very late. It was in the last few minutes. Yeah. So memory. Storm scored. I think they were sick. They were – were they two behind or four behind? Might have been two. Yeah. Because I think the try, the yep. anyway, there was a there was a it ended up being a penalty try. Yeah. What which happened? is very unusual in rugby league yes. at the best of times they, to be awarded a penalty. I forget try. who put the bomb up. Um be it Kamali. They put the bomb up. It was like last chance saloon. Sort of like um North Queensland and Broncos. Yes. 
Last Chance Saloon, put it up. Camera, uh, Brad Smith. Well, I've forgotten his first name. The winger, the Melbourne winger, Craig Smith, I think it was. He, he took the... Sorry, he's caught it in the act of catching it. Jamie Ainsco, St. George Centre, has come in and just hit him high. Just knocked him out, didn't he? Yep. So he was he was out. So, of course, and quite rightly, went to the video. Yep. And we were down that end on the side. And the way it was then, you the referee stands where the try scored. Yep. And I went up to the video. And they and let's face it, rightly, because he had the ball, he would have scored. But now he, he only had a fall over, basically, with the ball. Yeah. So... The funniest bit was even before they announced it, you know, Bill Harrigan, Hollywood, you know, bit, bit of a character. He's in that funny strut walk he does, like, look mm. at me, how good. And all, all of a sudden, after, it took a while, a minute or so. And I'm thinking, will it be a penalty try? That's right. It, it must have been. They needed six points to, to I win. I think they needed, yeah. It might have been four, the difference. And then Harrigan started strutting towards the post. Back towards the post, and we're all like, "Yeah!" Knowing it was going to be a penalty try, and yeah, so yeah, that even the score, it was Matt Geyer, uh, Mark Guy, Mark MG's brother. younger brother, yep. very good player, because he was playing five eight at the time. Yeah, he had the goal, made no mistake, and that was it. And it, it was a great grand. Rest is history. But yeah, I do. I remember being a, a Dragon slash both Illawarra fan. That was a bit depressing. Yep. Yeah, so it would have been. As I said at the start, though. The amount of players in that game who went on to be first grade coaches. Mm. So there was Trent Barrett, the hooker. What's his name? Um, Smith. What's your hooker's name? Your blonde hooker. Oh, Nathan Smith. Nathan Brown. Nathan Brown. Sorry, not Smith. Yeah. So Brownie, uh, Fitzgibbon, Craig, Craig Fitzgibbon, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, that's just without thinking. Brett Kamali in recent days. Yeah, yeah. Played in that game. Brett. Brett Kamali played in that game. Obviously, Glenn Lazarus wasn't a coach, but the Brick Revise, mm. great player. It's just one of those one of those special games. So, yeah. I think what we'll do, Greg, being finals time, that will do us for now. But I think if anyone wants to correspond and give their thoughts, I, I reckon we can continue this the next few weeks. That'd be great if everyone's got their own memories of finals of any sport. Don't don't limit it just to yep. right, we've just touched on league and tennis, a couple that we remember, but. Any great finals um, for whatever reason, yep. personally Why for I'm you? there, sorry, won't talk about it because we're out of time, but AFL, it's funny. We won't talk about it in one deep, one history thing. It's amazing how often the NRL and AFL grand finals each year in certain years mirror each other. Mm-hmm. We'll talk something we can discuss. But AFL, 89, just so happened 89 was one of the best grand finals ever in the AFL and the NRL. Um, and obviously the Swannies, 2005. Well, both those West Coast Swans grand finals, 2005, 2006, you know, come to mind. But yeah, we could we, <laughs> we could go on all day. We could do another hour. But we won't. We won't. No, we'll save it up. Save it up. But look, if you've got any grand finals, finals of any sport that really resonate with you, let us know and let us know why. It could be just a personal thing, could be a history thing. Or the quality of the contest. Just the quality of the contest and not teams you're involved in or follow. Or upsets. Yep. Huge upsets. Uh, huge upsets. What? We'd love to hear from you. Whatever it is, please let us know and we're happy to, to have a chat about it. Well, I think that brings us to the end this week, Gray. It does. Look, like I said, we keep raving on it at the best time of year, but it certainly is. So... Good luck to your team if they're still alive in the in the football finals race. So we've got well, 
at least AFL, we've got the Swans still alive. Yes. Sadly, our NRL teams are, only, are uh, enjoying their, their um, off-season break. But, you yeah, know, we're really looking forward to the quality of the NRL and the AFL. Absolutely. Whoever you follow, I hope they, they play well over the weekend and the results go your way. And if not, as we all do, we just pick a second team to jump on the bandwagon so we can all be part of it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, as Greg mentioned, feel free to correspond. Send us an email. We're happy to, happy to have a chat next week. Thanks again, Gray, for the chat. And we'll see you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.